You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. My name is Matt Beasley, and I'm the guest host for Conroe Culture News. I have some guests here today. First, we're going to start with Blair Atkins and Julie Frampton, right? Yes. They're with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, And we also have a county commissioner here, James Nowak. He's in the audience, and we have another guest named Brad Billings with the Grand Lodge of Texas. And we have uh, the sheriff coming in towards the end of the show, so we have a good show. I've never hosted a radio show, show, guys. Margie asked me to do this. I am not going to talk about Conroe at all. I'm going to talk about (laughs) South Montgomery County because that's where I'm from. Um, But I'm excited to do the show. So the first person we have is Blair Atkins. He's a good friend of mine. He's you graduated from Woodlands High School, didn't you? Class of 99. Um, And um, he he's done so much for the people down in South Montgomery County. He's been involved in the community for, for forever since I can remember. I remember when you worked at the YMCA a long time ago down off of Shadow Bend. So, yep. and now? Now um, I was nominated to compete, uh, participate in the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Man and Woman of the Year campaign. Um, it's been a national campaign for many years. This is the inaugural one, inaugural one in the Woodlands. Um, I was very honored and proud. Um, I said yes before they finished the sentence when I was asked. Um my campaign manager, Mindy Reynolds, couldn't be here today, so my team captain, Julie, is here with me. Um, it's a 10-week fundraising competition. Um, basically, you build a team um, as small or big as you want, um, friends, family, businesses, and raise as much money as you can to try to find a cure. Um, we've done some fundraising together in the past. Um, my wife, Kim, and her and me have been running um, some bake sales down at Texas Children's Hospital for a few years. Um, for the Neuroblastoma Foundation. We unfortunately know way too many people that have been affected by this disease um, in all different kinds. Um, I myself have a rare type of skin cancer. Um, Julie has melanoma. Mm. Um, We know too many children that had neuroblastoma in the woodlands. Um, There were four um, all diagnosed around the same time many years ago. Um, The little boy I'm doing all this in honor for, he lost his battle a few years ago. so we're trying to win. So, so how did you the, uh, talk about the, the, the little boy, you know, how, how, how did you get to know him? I worked with Laura Weberling at the YMCA. Actually, like you said, that was my first job. Um, day I turned 16, started working there, um, worked with Laura and um, her little boy Hans. And I was, you know, I knew him when he was diagnosed, um, knew him all the way through it. We still talk today. Laura's on my team. Um, she actually, until a couple of days ago, worked for the LLS in California when they moved there. She just started a new job with the American Cancer Society. Um, There's nobody that does more than that family. They are amazing. They are my inspiration. His his voice still motivates me. They Mm. when I got home from the doctor when I was diagnosed um, after I told my wife, Laura was our first phone call because I I didn't know who else to call. Um, I knew that they'd been through it um, and that she would have some advice for me. Um, Another one of my teammates, uh, Dana Sue Cruz, was my second call because that's who Laura had called me. Um, her son, her husband, Bill, um, had cancer too, and they had done some really good walks to raise money for him. So they got me some, a lot of good advice. And that's when I sort of stepped off, 
off the sidelines as far as fundraising for cancer research goes um, and sort of really took it to the next level. So this is just kind of the pinnacle of several years of different kinds of fundraising, putting it all together, getting everyone that's ever helped us with anything on one team for one cause. So this is 10 weeks long and it started when? It started on Wednesday night at midnight. So technically um, the 22nd and it goes for 10 weeks. It ends on June 1st. Um, the gala is at the Westin in the Woodlands. Okay. The winner will be announced then. Um, how many How many other people are, are, are competing there are for man and There are four men and six women. Um, originally the numbers were a little higher. I think some people had some other things going on. So it's down to four and six. Okay, so... Um, Julie, have you done have you done this before? Um, as far as this actual campaign, yeah. no, this is my first time. On. Okay, so you and Blair both this first time. Yes. Okay. They've well, had it in Houston uh, yeah. for I believe seven or eight years, and it's been a national campaign for many. Um, Mindy would know those specific numbers. I want to say ten to twenty. Um, it's been going on around different cities. This is just the first one in the Woodlands. Do you have, I, I went to your, your, I guess your kickoff event. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, was, I set some things up, or at least I tried to, and then I had to get out of there. But um, when's, it, when's another event that people can show up and, um, and uh, The next event supporting my campaign, um, not put on by the LLS, but is um, one of Inspire Productions events. Um, I also work for Trey Diller and Mike Neum for Inspire. I believe they were actually on this show uh, yeah, just they a couple were, of weeks, like two weeks ago. ago. Yeah, I yeah. talked to Trey a little while ago. Um, they are donating a portion of their proceeds um, at the Texas Taco and Tequila Festival. Um, it is on Cinco de Mayo. Couldn't have asked for a better date um, in Old Town Spring. Um, so everybody should come out to that. Um, on April 14th, Fleet Feet is donating, um, letting me use one of their Run the Woods 5Ks at Bush Elementary. Um, so they're going to help me out there. Um, as far as another event, Flying Ace Inc., is putting on an event for me. And for the life of me right now, Brandy will be mad. I can't remember the date we decided, but um, I'll definitely keep updating Facebook and all that. Um, I do have a Facebook page dedicated to my campaign. It's um, it's actually hashtag Team Blair. Um, so if you look that up, you can find it. It's got a little more to it, but if you just search on Facebook, hashtag Team Blair, um, you can find out about a lot more events too. So what's the, um, do you have a number? Do you have a goal? Um, my goal, right? my starting goal is $100,000. Oh, wow. Um, if I raise 50, I get to name a research grant in Hans's memory. Um, so 50 is obviously going to, I'm knocking that out. 100 is the goal. Um, some of the numbers from Houston last year that I've heard astronomical. are astronomically um, large. 200 and 300,000 raised from the woman of the year and then the man of the year yeah, out of so houston out of houston yeah, are you competing with so, houston yes. no 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 well, no i'm okay. just i'm okay. competing just with that number because i yes. like to set records okay <laughs> yeah i would love to set a new record for most money raised in 10 weeks but the people you're in, in i guess in competition with the fundraise are in montgomery county yes okay. all of them from the woodlands yeah do <clears throat> do we know who the the women of the year candidates are um holly price um from woodlands hits is one of the female candidates um I can, I, I can't remember all the names. Right yeah. Now. I know yeah. Holly really There's well. Multiple, multiple There's multiple. There's multiple. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Six of them. Mm -hmm. What's, so how's it going? It's going good. Um, I've got a lot of friends. Um, the day that I was asked by Mindy and um, a, a girl named Julie Hayes, um, who worked for the LLS as well, before I got up from the table, when they asked me, I was texting people. I was saying, hey, you're going to be on my LLS team. I'll fill you in more later. That Just, was months ago. That was in October. We were at our bake sale. And, yeah. And it, 
Texas Children's for neuroblastoma. And he's like, hey, mm -hmm. you're going to do this. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to lock people in because kidding aside, and Holly and I have joked a lot about this, we knew we'd ask a lot of the same people. Um, so I wanted to lock him in. She did the same thing. What did so. he, what did he say to you? How did he get you <laughs> we involved We were at in the this? bake sale and, and those are another thing within themselves where we always try to challenge from the last bake sale, how we can raise more money. And so knowing, I always call him and Kim, his wife, or my, my Thelma and Louise in philanthropy <laughs> work. And we've been working together for 10 years and mm -hmm. doing the neuroblastoma thing for nine years. So when he wanted to bring me in on this leukemia lymphoma, absolutely hands down he's like hey you have a big mouth you don't like <laughs> to take no for an answer you have a network we'd really like for you to come and do this with us and i didn't even have to think about it yeah it was automatic well i can tell you about blair um just in south county like for instance when we had the hurricane yep blair you know he worked for chick-fil-a mm -hmm. plugged to chick-fil-a <laughs> amazing place to go um eat and amazing place to work um he would come out to the first responders and he would bring us food all the time. I mean, literally, it was pretty amazing. He'd meet us where we were. It wasn't just the county commissioners or right. fire department and police. It was everybody. I mean, even people in the community who were stuck stuck somewhere, mm -hmm. Blair made sure, and so did Chick-fil-A to come take care of these people. So, Blair, I, I'll tell you, I'll do whatever I can to help you. I appreciate I plan it. to do that. I hope um, I hope you get to two hundred and fifty thousand. Make those Houston guys look like they don't, you know, they're not doing anything. That's that my would goal. Be good. <laughs> That's my goal. I mean, if you're not first, you're last, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, um, I if there's any other if there's any other events that you you know of, send them to me. Mm -hmm. You guys out there um, listening, y'all check Team Blair on Facebook. Yep. And it's um, B L A I R. Yeah. They can also go to mwoy.org and search for Blair Atkins, and it will take you straight to that Team Blair page where they can make a donation and go on from there. And it's just like a credit card, like a GoFundMe account type of thing? Um, it's it's a little bit more sophisticated than a, okay. than a GoFundMe would be. It's all uh, tax deductible because it's a 501 nonprofit, so all of that stuff's going to get filtered through there. But every single dollar raised goes back into the LLS grants, funds, and research. And this personal campaign has done um, cutting edge as far as the grants are, are given, the research grants, are now doing cutting uh, edge targeted therapy, which is having more response rate than ever before. And so this is just a way where people can come in as a grassroots community and no dollar is too little. It all matches. It all comes together. And it all goes right, I guess, through the the society is yes, the, the LLS. exactly and yeah. just identifies and this society. is from Blair okay. yes mm -hmm. okay and just you know like I said check the Facebook page out um, I'm gonna have people selling jewelry I'm gonna have people selling bags I'm gonna have people selling um, what else rodent and fields I've got everybody I know that has some sort of company business I've tried to enlist every single one of them so whatever you're interested in buying whatever you're interested in already planning on buying there's going to be a chance to help my campaign. You need to do like a thousand dollar car wash. Well, is that, well, and that's like lemonade stands, yeah. bank sales. Kids can get involved. Yeah. If this. you, if you would like to do something um, for my team, um, feel free, look me up, write me, um, find me at Chick-fil-A Alden Bridge. I would love to have 200 people on my team. There's no limit. Right now we have 35. Yeah. Including myself oh, wow. and Blair. Am I on that? Yes. Am I one of those? On. Okay. <laughs> yes. There you go. James Noack's on it too. <laughs>
hey, Commissioner, you wanted a $1,000 car wash? <laughs> it's the best car wash you'll ever get. <laughs> um, Evan's on it, too. Evan B. Song okay. works with you guys. Um, got a lot of people. Got a few people from the township. Um, John Brown, Brian Boniface. Um, I, like I said, I started enlisting people the day of, and I'm still trying. Well, um, that's really good. Blair, Julie, thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all coming out. Um, I wish you the best. I hope you make a ton of money and, um, and I hope you become man of the year. So thank you. Thank you. We're about to take a break. Brad Billings will be up next and, um, just hang with us. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. Welcome back. It's Matt Beasley again on Conroe Culture News. Actually, I'm going to rename it to South County News. I'm honored to be on here. Margie Taylor's on vacation. I think she's on a beach somewhere. Here's looking at you, Margie. I hope I'm doing you a good job on your radio show here. I have a friend of mine. His name is Brad Billings. He is a Mason, a Texas Mason. We're actually both in the fraternity. And um, man, he's a hard worker and he loves masonry. And I wanted to get him on the radio show. Actually, when I reached out to you, I, I, Brad is from Dallas and um, and we've gotten to know each other through the fraternity. And I reached out to him because I, I knew I was going to be on the radio show and I, I wanted to get him on here. So I sent him a message and I said, hey, are you going to be in the Houston area on this date? And it and just so happened I was, you know, down the road. And so uh, going to Austin tonight. So this was kind of uh, just stayed the night here. And then I've got a, another Mason friend of ours picking me up and we're going to Austin after this. So, yeah, so he's. Been on a like kind of kind of a, a tour, um, you could say that. He's, it's, it's been interesting. It's been very busy, and uh, it's interesting. The more you talk about it, uh, the more people want to know about it, and so uh, just kind of been picking up gigs here and there, so to speak. So where were you? Where were you before you you came to the Houston area? So this weekend uh, started out actually in Houston um, at the shrine uh, there in Houston, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but we had a meeting there Friday night. Went to Goliad. We do a Goliad observance, which is part of our uh, Texas Masonic history because uh, Colonel Fannin was a Mason. And so we, we honor him and the, those that fell at Goliad every year. So I went down to that celebration. Uh, then we had a Grandmaster's Conference in Corpus. And then I came back here. So I've kind of been... And that was in what, two days? Yeah, two or three days, something like that. <laughs> and then I'll be in Austin tonight. So lots of fun, uh, enjoying every second of it. And none of these opportunities probably would have ever come to me uh, being on the radio. Uh, I've done podcasts. Um, I've done videos for the Grand Lodge. None of that would have ha ever happened had it not been for Masonry. So it's kind of a an interesting organization in yeah. so many ways. Well, first, let's. Um, I kind of want the listeners to get to know you. Um, where are you from? And um, tell us a little, little bit about you. Okay. Well, I'm from a small town, West Texas. It's about an hour south of Lubbock called Seagraves, Texas. And uh, grew up, and I graduated with 33 people in my graduating class. So very, very small. Uh, Conroe makes Seagraves look like a booming, or Conroe looks like a booming metropolis compared to Seagraves, Texas. But I grew out there. My dad's a farmer. My mom was a school teacher. So very much the small town kid. 
uh, went to Texas Tech uh, whenever I graduated, and I was there for five years. Yes, I took a victory lap <laughs> and uh, graduated in 06 and moved to Dallas. So I've kind of gotten from small town to, you know, town of 250,000 plus and now live in the Metroplex, which is booming, uh, kind of like you guys down here in, in the greater Houston area. So, And how did you get involved? How did you become a Mason? Uh, it was it was multiple things. So my great grandfather was a Mason, and obviously um, I didn't know a whole lot about it because he was that World War II generation. And those guys, just, they don't talk about their personal lives. They you know they didn't open up about a lot of things. So didn't know a whole lot about it. He wore a watch. He wore a ring, uh, which I now have both of those, which is really cool. But um, something about going from that small town where you knew everybody, you probably knew too much about some people. Uh, then you go to a, a bigger city, and uh, when I went to Lubbock, I was in the, you know, college, uh, so I joined a fraternity there locally, joined a lot of the groups there, and that was kind of became my community. And when I moved to Dallas, um, I didn't have any community. You know, you don't know your neighbors, you don't know your people, it's your place of worship, because everything's so big. So I was looking for organizations to join to kind of make that smaller, and I remembered the Masons from my grandfather. And... I joined it. When I joined it, I was a member of my Texas Tech alumni chapter there in town. I was a member of the Young Republicans and several other groups. Uh, but over time, uh, Masonry, after I joined and fell in love with it, I joined more and more and more into Masonry and got less into the other things. So that's really where my focus is right now after work and family is the Masons. So how many lodges are you a part of? I'm a member of seven lodges. Wow. Um, Two of them. Can you what, name them all? Yeah, I, I can. <laughs> I'll save the listeners. The, yeah, we'll uh, just go with seven. Yeah, but um, three lodges that I belong to that are that are really special, and these aren't these aren't your your typical lodge like it would be in your community. Um, but I belong to three what they call specialty lodges. One is Texas Lodge Research, uh, where we basically go out, we write research papers on the history of masonry or the philosophy of masonry, uh, and we do that kind of to preserve our history and to preserve our uh, knowledge. And we publish a book every year uh, through that group. I'm a full member there, which means I've written a paper, and I'm also a past master of that group. Uh, I belong to Tranquility Lodge, which is a very interesting story. And uh, they have uh, a website, Tranquility um, TL2K.org, I believe, is the actual website. And when Buzz Aldrin went up on the moon, he carried two flags with him, and one of them was a Masonic flag and uh, deputized the Sea of Tranquility, which is where they landed, uh, as a Masonic territory. Oh, that's cool. So he deputized it for the Masons. So if we ever colonize the moon, uh, Texas will own that jurisdiction, I guess. Oh, that's but good. It was yeah. just kind of a, it was kind of a neat deal that they did. And, and they really chartered that lodge to raise some money and raise some funds for, um, different areas of research, specifically with, um, NASA and those groups. And, uh, then the other group I belong to is Sweet Home Lodge, which meets out at the Texas Masonic Retirement Center in Arlington. And um, it's not necessarily a specialty lodge, but it's special because it meets at uh, this retirement home that's for Masons. And any Mason in the state of Texas can go there and be taken care of. So it's just kind of a neat way that we as a fraternity take care of our, our brothers uh, that need help. So Yeah, and that's part of, that's part of, the, that's part of what we do is, is, as uh, brothers in this fraternity is look out for one another. And that's, um, that's, that's really I really like doing that. I really like to go see, I, I had a, I had a brother that was, um, he couldn't get around very well. And I used to pick him up and take him to the grocery store. And, um, you know, we just, it's just, it's really nice to know that someone will help me one day and yeah, I, when I can help, I do. It's a little thing, but it really, it means a lot. Um, and that brotherhood is something that seems to be, um, 
sadly kind of going away in our society. Like I was talking about earlier, where I grew up, everybody knew everybody because it was just the necessity. I mean, you lived within a certain vicinity. Um, when I moved to the Metroplex and where I live now, I have I live in a neighborhood of 50 houses or so, and we have people moving in and out all the time. So I don't know most of my neighbors. Um, when I go to church on Sunday, it's an awesome church, and as a result, there's like more than a thousand people. Oh yeah, so, big church. So I end up sitting with my wife and maybe like one other person I know, but it's not like it used to be where you knew everybody. But masonry has this great way of bringing guys together in their local communities to help um, those that need it more than us, and and it's just a fascinating group. It truly is, uh, as they call it, the brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God. So it's really cool. Now, have you been to the Conroe Lodge here? I have. I actually spoke. Uh, Worshipful Master Mike DeFrance, Michael DeFrance, invited me. I can't remember when it was, but I remember the nasty weather was moving in, and I got out of there just ahead of that weather, and I was hightailing it all the way back to Dallas just oh, yeah. to stay ahead of it. So it was it was two or three months back, and uh, it was really neat to get to go there and, and speak about masonry and um, talk a little bit more about our philosophy to our members and kind of give them a little bit more of a perspective um, as to what masonry means to me. Yeah. Well, um, Brad's going to come back. Um, we're going to take a break here in a second. I need to get you to Oakwood Lodge. That's where you need to come next. I am um, ready. So we'll be back. We're going to talk a little bit more about it and uh, how to join and things like that. So stay with us. Hey, guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. All right, we're back with Brad Billings. My name's Matt Beasley. I'm the guest host on Conroe Culture News. We just had some uh, people stop by, Melanie and Jean. I'll give a shout out to them. I know the sheriff's out there with the county commissioner. We're having a good time down here in downtown Conroe. Lone Star Community Radio, 104.5 and 106.1. Um, Brad and I are talking about Freemasonry. And so one thing I, I get asked or um, people have a misconception that you have to have family uh, in, in, in Freemasonry to become a Mason. That, that's not true. So, Brad, how does someone join if they're interested in it? Well, um, yeah, that's absolutely a misconception. I mean, if we just took guys that were legacy members or, you know, family members— uh, we probably wouldn't be around anymore, right? So uh, it's open to anyone. Uh, there are some some requirements. Um, you do have to be what we consider a good man. We investigate you kind of into your character just to kind of get to know you a little bit. Uh, but if you're interested in joining, um, really, it's, it's a fairly simple process. The main part of the whole thing is you have to ask. Uh, there are two lodges here locally. There's Conroe Lodge and there's your lodge, Oakwood, uh, which is just a little bit north of us here, I think. And, uh, you know, it's it's really asking to become a member. That's the that's the one thing. And, and on the petition that you fill out to join, uh, there are three questions that you'll be asked specifically. Um, and they, they deal a little bit with religion, but more in a spiritual nature. Um, they ask that you have a belief in God, a belief in life after death, and a belief in a volume of sacred law. So 
Uh, for those of you who, out there who are unfamiliar with those terms, let me just, I'm a Christian, so uh, to put it in Christian terms, I believe in God and Jesus the Son, uh, I believe in heaven, and I believe in the Bible. So those three things qualify me to be a Mason uh, with my Christian religion. And so, well, kind of give me your journey. Um, like, what's Masonry to you? Absolutely. Um, Masonry is a, a group that unites men of all faiths and, and all backgrounds uh, from all walks of life. And it's really neat. Um, it's, it's kind of like, a, I guess the modern day term for it would be like an interfaith coalition where guys come together uh, to try to improve themselves and also to try to improve the communities in which we live. And so the journey of Masonry to me has taught me several important lessons. Um, it's taught me first and foremost uh, kind of more about myself and how I uh, belong in the society and how I can contribute. Uh, it's taught me about education that, you know, just after I went through high school and I went through college and I've done training at work, that we should never stop learning. We should always continue to search and seek knowledge. And then uh, ultimately, it's taught me that um, all those things are great and everything that you want to accomplish in life, you can do it with those first two things. But if you don't have some element of religion or spirituality, um, those two things, at some point, you're going to look back and say, man, I missed it. I missed the boat. And so Masonry does a really great job, for me at least, of reminding me of what's important in life and kind of helping me to refocus on those things. Uh, and it surrounds me with good men at the same time who are on that same journey. And those guys help to keep me straight as well. So it's uh, it, it works in multiple ways. It definitely works on me as an individual, but it also works on me by putting me in a society of friends and brothers that, that are all trying to accomplish uh, something good for their community. Well, and... You know, I travel around. I've set lodge in different places in Texas. I set lodge in Louisiana. I went to Baltimore. The only, there's one There's one lodge in Baltimore, the city. It's the only working lodge there. Um, and that's really neat to, to go and, uh, and meet other, uh, other uh, Masons and, um, and be with them and be around them. And I know you've been to different places, different countries, right? Absolutely. And, you know, what's, what's funny is uh, Texas is its own country, let's be honest. I mean— <laughs> It is as vast and as wide in Texas as it is pretty much anywhere in the world. So I'll start there. But um, last Tuesday, I was in a, a lodge called Fish Creek. And this lodge is in a town called Marysville. It is a dead town. There's nothing there except for the church and the lodge. That's all that's in this town. So you get off near Gainesville, which is almost, you know, Oklahoma. And you go uh, west and north about 10 miles down a Cleachy Road. And you find this lodge in the middle of a dead town and it's a it's a two-story aluminum barn it is fantastic it's held together by two cables that span the building and uh and it's heated by a potbelly stove in the middle of the lodge so this thing is literally like stepping back a hundred years in time in fact the bottom floor used to be uh used to be a school and so the lodge went on the top floor and the school was in the bottom um, so to go from something like that last tuesday to uh tonight i'm speaking in austin lodge austin 12 which is the oldest theater, or it's one of the oldest theaters in Texas. They're, they're not quite sure, but just a beautiful edifice, uh, very well done in downtown Austin. I mean, so you couldn't get any further apart than these two buildings, and that's just kind of the, the diversity of masonry. But then it spans not just in Texas, but the United States and all around the world. Um, I was sharing with you yesterday a little bit about my travels um, in Guadalajara, uh, where we did not speak any English and, and were treated like kings uh, because these guys recognized us as brothers. And then the Grand Lodge of Spain, uh, kind of a weird story, but I'll share it with the listeners. 
uh, we had just gotten off a Segway tour of all things. And uh, I'm walking back down the street to our hotel and I look up and I see a square and compasses, which is our, our most notable symbol. And it was kind of small. And so I thought, well, maybe it's just a regular lodge or whatever. Um, so I Googled it, of course, as you would, you know, think to do Naturally, it. yeah. Yeah, naturally. Um, and it's actually the Grand Lodge of Spain. And the reason that it's kind of hidden is because they were repressed by the government several years back. And, hmm. and so um, they kind of had to be guarded, you know, um, as to who they let in. So I rang the doorbell. Uh, I have a dues card, which I showed him, you know, and said, hey, I'm a member. He spoke no words of English, and I, my Spanish is terrible. Um, so we couldn't communicate at all. Um, but one, at one point when I became convinced that he was a Mason, I leaned in and I gave him the grip. And uh, in that second, the fraternity, it, it, it went above language, it went above culture, it went above social norms. And, uh, and all of a sudden the doors were open uh, and it was just a, it was, we got the red carpet tour, me and my wife, he took us all around. And it's just one of those things that no other organization that I know of can do that that has that kind of power and it's worldwide. So it's, it's just really cool to be a part of that brotherhood. Yeah. So. Well, we met each other. Um, so every year they have an annual commun communication. Yep. If you're a past master, you have a vote uh, in Grand Lodge. If you're um, a sitting principal, worshipful master, junior warden, senior warden, you can also vote on behalf of your lodge. But we, I met you there. I'm, I've met a lot of brothers from Dallas, um, and that's always a cool thing to do. It's in Waco. Right. Yeah. Once a year, um, there's usually about 3,000, uh, maybe up to like 3,500 of us that kind of invade the city of Waco, which is where our Grand Lodge is. And uh, it's strategically placed kind of between Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, which is, you know, the major hubs for masonry here in the state. And so Waco is a good place. And we, we go down there and um, it is an amazing thing to be around that many guys that, that are dedicated to masonry. Uh, to themselves, to the the communities in which they live. And it's just an amazing experience to be down there with, with that many brothers. Uh, I, I'm sure you're like I am, but the first time I heard the Pledge of Allegiance from that many guys in one room, uh, which we say at the beginning of all our mm -hmm. meetings, it was just, I mean, it was awe-inspiring to be in that, you know, in that Grand Lodge at that time yeah. and hear that for the first time. Well, and that's where, and we, we get a lot of business done there too. Absolutely. That's where most of the business is done for, uh, for the Grand Lodge over all the lodges in Texas. Right. Yeah, we are, you know, we are, um, we govern ourselves. So if someone wants to change a law or wants to uh, uh, make a change in the Grand Lodge, that's where we do it. And it comes from the local lodges or the local brother, uh, anybody that wants to kind of put their input into it, um, they submit a resolution or, you know, whatever they want to do. And, and we go down there. That's really where we handle our business uh, but it's a big social deal too, you know. Uh, unfortunately, our our brother uh, Brandon Jenkins just passed away, but he for the last several years um, played a, a concert down there in Waco, and it was phenomenal, you know, just kind of this private concert for us uh, down in Waco. So it's social. Uh, we do handle our business down there. We elect our our Grand Lodge officers for the next year. Um, it's just a lot of fun, and it, it's a great way to meet brothers from all over the state. Like I said, this state is diverse as any. <laughs> as most countries, I guess I would say. So it's really neat to get to go down and meet brothers from all over Texas. And well, I wouldn't have known you had I not met you down No, there. absolutely not. And um, the, that's that's the great thing about it. And we have a good time. And it's just one of those, it's one of those things I look forward to every year. Um, but Brad, I, I want I want to thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Um, it just so happened to work I, out perfect. I think sometimes there's a bigger plan in play. Yeah, right. That might have been what happened here. But it it's it's been a great um, 
it's been a great several days here and, and I've got some more stuff on the back end of it, but that's what masonry does. It makes the world a smaller place. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I would just say to anybody that's out there that's listening, that's maybe interested, remember, if you're interested, you have to ask. Uh, we, we will not ask you. We do not recruit members. It's just part of our philosophy. Um, but if you're a good man, you want to make a difference in your community, you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, I can't think of any other organization that is better than the Freemasons. Yeah. So. yeah, and if if you're listening, you can look up Oakwood Lodge off 242, uh, Conroe Lodge. Um, right we down have, the street. It's right down the street. We have websites, or you can type in Grand Lodge of Texas, and you can find out where a lodge is close to you. We've got one in Willis, one in Montgomery. So there's a lot of different lodges to, to, to reach out to. Right. Yeah, in the Grand Lodge, there is a Grand Lodge locator in case anybody's, or I'm sorry, a lodge locator. In case anybody's listening that's not here locally, uh, you could go onto the Grand Lodge website, uh, look for the Grand Lodge locator or the lodge locator and type in, you can look it up by, I think, county, zip city, code, zip yeah. code, uh, and you can find the lo local lodges in your area. And because the lodges are so diverse and so different, uh, if someone's interested in joining, what I recommend them doing is go visit the ones that are close to you. You know, uh, you might not hit it off with one lodge as, as much as you do with the next lodge. So if you're interested in joining, uh, because we are so diverse and that's the, that's the beauty of it. Um, visit a few lodges and then decide for yourself which one you want to petition. Well, have fun in Austin. We're going to go on a break. Thanks again, Brad, for being on the show. You guys stay with us. The sheriff is coming in here um, and we'll finish out the show. Stay with us. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. We're back, and we have two two guests. One is uh, County Commissioner James Nowak, who was supposed to co-host the show with me, but he decided he he was going to um, he's going to let me take care of that. And now I'm going to interview him. And next to him is the County Sheriff Rand Henderson. Um, so this is going to be a good show. So thank you all for coming on. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, so I'll start with the sheriff. How's everything been? How's everything going to the sheriff's office? And can you talk a little bit about um, I don't know budget hearings coming up, right? So I'm sure you have some plans. Oh yeah, without a doubt, we're uh, we're all about the plans. We've uh, you know we rolled out our strategic plan last year, and we've uh, ticked off a lot of the boxes and made a lot of accomplishments from that. And we're updating it with our our new strategic plan that'll incorporate more budget information. We've also just completed our workforce analysis, which we're really proud of. Uh, it shows the amount of time that deputies have committed, which shows how much time that uh, they don't have to do the other things they need to do. So it shows the help that they need, 
uh, and it speaks to the numbers uh, in a statistical method instead of the the guessing methods of old. Well, I talked to uh, Benita Flowers and oh, yeah. Jennifer Kettler, and they said that they're part of, um, is it a new crime? The they're... Real-Time Crime Center. There you go. Yeah. What does that look like? Real-Time Crime is awesome. We just uh, have started a soft opening on it. It is open, operational. <laughs> it's a war room, for lack of a better term, where we've got uh, about seven analysts and a supervisor that are assigned 24-7 and they perform analytics. So as soon as a crime happens, they're able to take that data and start crunching the numbers. They look for video feeds. They look for uh, license plates from license plate readers, and they punch, they pump that information out to the patrol staff. So they're able to respond immediately, cast a wider net, and uh, solve crimes. There's a video feed can also come in from not only government cameras, but also proprietary cameras that we hang. And then you add in uh, storefront cameras, such as, say, a jewelry store. So they can, if they got robbed, we could have their video feed and so have, you know, real-time data in order to uh, catch the bad guys before they get back to wherever they came from. Is that a 24-hour 24, 24 thing? It will be by this summer. Okay. Uh, they're still in the stand-up mode, so we should be fully operational 24-7 by this summer. But all the employees have been uh, selected or and they're currently training. Have you, have you seen this yet? Yeah, uh, I am very familiar with a lot of the sheriff's initiatives and certainly fully supporting, but... Brand, this is telecommunication telecommunicators week. Is that right? Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, soon it's, this week. It's I know in, it's on it's the agenda a, for it's, tomorrow. It's in April. Yeah, and so we're going to be honoring um, our telecommunicators because man, that is a tough job that they have. And the reason I brought that up is because I believe that's where Benita Flowers was one of our longtime mm -hmm. dispatchers. Yeah, and Jennifer seeing Hitler her too. Yeah, seeing her be being promoted. I mean, that's just a great thing for you and your organization, and says a lot about how you manage a department. Well, thank you. There's a lot of talent that uh, was chosen for the Real-Time Crime Center, for sure. Did Is that something, um, when did that start? Uh, just a few weeks ago, but we started, uh, it was part of the strategic plan, so it was something that we knew that we wanted. We brought in uh, a sergeant from Harris County uh, that had worked as a major at the Harris County Sheriff's Office who stood up the Real-Time Crime Center for them, as well as for Precinct 4 Constable's Office. So he has a lot of experience. It's a model we adopted from um, major city uh, departments like New York, and it's going to be a boon for Montgomery County. That's good. Um, I'd love to go see that sometime. Come on, come visit. I'll give you a tour. It's been a long time since yeah. you were in police world. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I guess in January, depending on how things work out in November, I'll, I'll probably have to give up my reserve um, and maybe go somewhere else. But I, I am, I am a reserve deputy for the sheriff. Um, we had, I actually went and qualified maybe three or four weeks ago. I Congratulations. Did I did pretty good. I made it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and actually I drag Mr. Noah out there occasionally. He shoots. Um, he's pretty good. Yeah. We have a good time. And, uh, I tell you, uh, I wouldn't want to get in a shootout against Brett Ligon. Yeah, no, he can shoot. No, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. He says he's a shotgunner too. I haven't seen that yet, but he's... I, I've never seen you shoot. Oh, You're, I shoot great. Uh, okay. Especially if you haven't seen me shoot. <laughs> Well, I think that should be a challenge between the three of us. We need to get out to the, get out, back out to the range. I'm, I'm ready. I'm a, I'm a 90, 95% guy. So oh, rarely wow. ever do I clean it. I'll get up around 97, but I rarely ever clean it. Yeah, I've never done that. 91's the best I've ever gotten. And I don't know, do you remember your score last time? No, I just remembered that uh, out of the, I, I can't, was it like 236 points you have to get to qualify? It's 200. Two, yeah. 200. Yeah. And I've. I, I you got I 236, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what 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 is going on with the the range? 
Oh, well, the commissioner keeps bailing us out. We keep getting <laughs> flooded. So um, it, even floods that don't affect the rest of the community affect our range. Yeah. So we got hammered particularly bad tax day, Memorial Day. Of course, Harvey, we had, what, 30-plus feet, um, probably about 35 feet there, inundated the building. And we've been patchworking it and still looking for a new location. So if any listeners out there have some ideas, we're all we're all ears. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's one of those things where you just sit back and wonder who in the world thought it was a good idea to put a gun range on the edge of the creek. Uh, it's the amount of money that's cost the county over time. We could we could have a first class indoor shooting facility somewhere for the men and women you know wearing the uniform and I'm hoping that Commissioner's Court seriously begins to address that issue um, and kind of speaking of court there's a lot of things coming up uh, that we need to be looking towards one of that is uh, ME's office and you as the now Republican nominee for JP3 and having the sheriff with me here uh, I'd Certainly love to get some input from both of you on a medical examiner's office and how it would help uh, your departments in the county overall. Uh, I'm all for it, Commissioner. I think it's a, a great idea. The more experienced investigators that can we can have working death scenes, the better. So I think um, we've gotten so large and that we have a, a full-time forensic pathologist on staff with assistants that are investigators as well. But I think the, the time has come to... Uh, start going down that path and exploring it and starting to make it happen before we're mandated to. You know how I feel. I campaigned for it. That's I mean, that right. was on the campaign trail that we need a medical examiner's office. It's, there's plenty, the, um, the need is there and it's been there for a while. Um, so I think it's a good thing for the whole county. I do too. I, I think that's something that we'll have a lot more discussion on going forward. I know the county attorney's office has been working with us on making certain that the facility we have and the people we have on staff currently uh, could meet those requirements of becoming an ME's office. And we do. There's there's literally nothing we need to do other than have court action turning our forensic center into a medical examiner's office. And it's something that statutorily we have to do at a million people anyway. And um, I think it would be a smart move for the county. Well, is it, during, during the campaign, I've, I heard People say it's going to cost a couple million dollars and take 10 or 12 years to get it done. It doesn't sound like that's the case. No, no. Now, we, there is going to be a point in time, and it's going to be sooner rather than later, when we will need to have a forensic science center. We need a true medical examiner's office. When I mean office, I mean the building. We need a facility that is going to uh, help with the not only the transition, but with the long-term impacts of, of maintaining a medical examiner's office, but we do have the the people and the skill set to do it right now. Sheriff, do you remember when we used to have to drive to Dallas? Yeah, drive to Dallas, wait forever, drive to Houston, wait forever. Uh, then we had our, our local private forensic services, and we had our difficulties with that as well. So we've definitely moved into the modern era, and uh, Dr. Pinieri is doing a, a great job for us, and uh, I think she's the person to take us into the future as well. Do you have, I know since budget hearings is coming up and, you know, you're sitting next to uh, somebody who occasionally deals with the county budget, is there, do you have any, um, I guess, any initiatives you're working on that perhaps you didn't the prior budget year? We're, we're zero-based budgeting now. Mm. So all of our operational is being zero-based. We started that in January. We used 2017 to create baselines for that. Mm. So we're hoping to have some significant cost savings, which would make for a significantly smaller request on the operational side. 
that being said, our biggest identified needs are going to be personnel. And not only new personnel, but also some personnel. And we talked about dispatch, our telecommunicators. If, uh, if you start uh, tomorrow, you're going to be making the same pay as somebody that's been in that office for 20 years. Hmm. I won't be able to find anyone to think that that's a good idea. So we want some steps within our, within our grades there. So you have some opportunities once you get certifications and you get to a senior level status that you would be paid more, uh, not like a rookie telecommunicator. And the same with the jail. Uh, they have the, the same structure and they need some steps as well. So those will be big initiatives that we'll be asking for support on. Well, and those are initiatives that Matt Beasley's familiar with from the commissioner's side. You know, Matt's been with me since day one. So, you know, five and a half years now. And one of the first things we did when we took office was we we layered, uh, we, we created advancement opportunities for our operators in the back. When we took over, uh, everyone was an operator and you had uh, one superintendent type of position or foreman. And what we did is we went in and created opportunities opportunities by having operator one, operator two, operator three with clearly defined goals on how you become, how do you get to that next step? And in doing so, uh, we've really increased productivity. We've made the people happy and made it more of a career than just a job. And so I'd love to work with you on doing that. Uh, and I, I know what a difficult job it would be to be um, a, a telecommunicator or a jailer. I mean, it's Oh, absolutely. And to not have a future there. So you're always looking for an, another job or next steps elsewhere from where we really need you to do what you're doing well. So it sounds like you've got a great roadmap and I look forward to seeing it and working out a plan together. Yeah, there was, I mean, we have people that, that come and say, we want more t time on the great all because that's how they can get to an another operator um, position. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, people should show up to work and they should they should want to advance, and that's what they do. They just need somewhere to go. Um, is there anything else going on at the sheriff's office you want to talk about? There's always something going <laughs> on in the sheriff's office. Uh, we had some uh, great accomplishments last year. Uh, one of the first and foremost is our homicide violent crime unit went 18 for 18 in solving their their uh, homicides. Oh, wow. Last year, so that was that was pretty huge. We recently received a, a national award. Uh, for our HIDA initiative, which is an acronym for the high-density drug trafficking area. I uh, got a national award based on a, a marijuana interdiction effort, which people might roll their eyes and go, oh, wow, marijuana, so what? Well, this was stuff that was marketed toward kids. It was uh, THC oil that went into vape pipes. It was uh, edibles such as gummy bears, gummy worms, Rice Krispie treats. So obviously it was marketed toward kids, and that was what got the attention of the national awards folks. So, yeah, lots lots going on at the sheriff's office for sure. Well, Rand, one of the things I think um, that you've done that is just highlighted just what a great group of men and women you have working for you is for the first time since I've been in Montgomery County, we're getting information out of the sheriff's office on what's going on and being able to congratulate the men and women for solving the crimes, solving the murders, when we catch the bad guys, it's great to be able to read about it. The community likes hearing about it. And that's one of the things I get more and more compliments from the community is, you know, they they know that we spend a significant amount of money on law enforcement in Montgomery County. But when they get to see the return on that investment, it makes everybody proud. Absolutely. And we do a lot of that through social media. So we were dark on social media until we took office 15 months ago. And so our presence has grown on the on the official communication sites. How can we follow you on social media? 
Well, we've got uh, just about every one of them. Uh, we're at MCTX Sheriff. Uh, that's our, also our website. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and even LinkedIn. So we're, we're all over the place and pretty easy to find. And if you're interested about press releases, we have them front and center on our website. And it's a very attractive website as well. So I'd ask you to visit that. And it's mctxsheriff.org. Yeah, and Commissioner, how does someone follow you on Facebook or, or any of your social media stuff? Same thing. Uh, they can go to follow us on, uh, you can look at Commissioner Nowak or James Nowak for Commissioner or just James Nowak on Facebook, Instagram, Nextdoor, and uh, LinkedIn. So when we, since we took office in 13, we've really tried to push as much information out as possible so people have an understanding of what does a commissioner do? And I think that ties me closer to the community. It gives people a sense of how their tax dollars are being spent. I think they appreciate it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> shameless plug for me. I have a fundraiser coming up on April 3rd. It's at local poor in the woodlands. <laughs> it's from five to eight. I am the Republican nominee for justice of the peace. I have to run against the Democrat in November. So I want to invite everyone out. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. I, I want the sheriff to be there. I want the commissioner to be there. I want everyone to come out there. It's going to, it's going to be a good time. And I just want to thank you guys for coming on the show. I want to thank Margie for letting me host this thing. And I just want to thank the good people listening out there. My name is Matt Beasley. Um, I'll probably be on here another day, but today's the end of the show. So thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio network, either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcast, Channel 12's Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.